What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrero alongside Levin Black. Levin, welcome back to the show. Glad to see you're actually working today. That's not my fault you couldn't work with my schedule. I gave you like a whole hour or two window. What do you think? My whole day revolves around you? Uh, well, what else do you have to do? I work from home. <laughs> Let me just say, you know. Some of us have to go to work. You couldn't do the show on Thursday. You couldn't do the instant reaction show. So it's like the two days a week I usually get to talk with you. I didn't see you. And I, I didn't want to admit this. I didn't want to say it on the show. But I will say it now. I didn't miss you at all. Yeah, I figured. Uh, <laughs> well, full disclosure, it wasn't that I couldn't do the instant reaction. It's that I chose trick or treating and Halloween over talking to your sorry ass. Right. You wouldn't do it. That's even worse. Where are your priorities? <laughs> um, I didn't want to hear cheery, happy Rob. I have no idea what you sounded like. I didn't get a chance <laughs> to go back and listen to it, but they actually won. So, I mean, normal Rob's not going to be there. Yeah, I didn't know what to do with myself. <laughs> it was a, it was a weird scene, man. I was actually like, I was ultra positive because all the comments were complaining that it was against the bears. And I was the guy sitting there saying, Hey man, just enjoy the friggin' win after four straight losses. But anyway, uh, we're going to get into a bunch of stuff today before we do want to remind you, please rate review and follow the Niners nation podcast network. If you leave us a review, we always promise to read it on the show. This one is from October 24th, but I wanted to save it for when you were with us. And I wanted to use it as an example of how I think things have changed in a very short period of time. It's from Ninerman41. The subject of the five-star review is, have we effing seen enough? And it goes like this. Stats, you do bring the cold hard truth and Levin is the human wet blanket, but he is both a 49ers fan and a Cubs fan. So clearly he brings wisdom and balance to the show. Tonight was ridiculous. We need to, one, start Trey Lance, two, fire Kyle Shanahan, and three, force-feed Brandon Ayuk until his arms drop off. I don't drink, so I need you and Levin to pick up the slack for me. Well, Man 41 I could understand your frustration at that point, Levin, but now here we sit on November 3rd as we record this on Wednesday night, and the 49ers have beaten the Bears. They dropped 33 points on them. They're 3-4 and four on the season. The rest of the NFC has kind of come back to the pack a little bit. How differently do you think that people are viewing the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan now as opposed to when this review was left on October 24th? I would say things have changed a good bit. But before I get into the details of that, it, I, I was struck by one part of that review. We haven't talked about my Cubs fanhood in probably over a year. So that guy's got to be somebody that's been listening since last year. I don't think we've talked about it at all this year because my Cubs fanhood is waning due to the piece of crap owners that they have now. <laughs> Way to go, Niner Man 41. We appreciate the uh, the long haul listen. And it's just ironic because I'm wearing a Cubs shirt right now. There you um, go. But in terms of the narrative, the demeanor towards Kyle, eh, it's changed. I mean – Things are always going to be much worse during a four-game losing streak than right after a win. But I think the looking at him with the side eye hasn't gone away. I think people are more back towards giving him the benefit of the doubt, but they're still mm -hmm. sitting and going, eh, I still have doubts about you. There's still some things I, I don't agree with, some things that I'm not sure 
you're the right guy still. I think there's still a little bit of not going back to almost the honeymoon. I mean, we pretty much had a honeymoon for four years because of all yeah. the injuries. And I think that's what this year is. We're we're in the marriage now. And it's, do we want to stay in the marriage? <laughs> <laughs> we're in the marriage. We've seen what the other person looks like in their pajamas right after they wake up. We've seen yeah. them when they're sick. We know the deal now. The, the four-game losing streak was like the first big blow-up argument. Mm. And now we're in the, are we going to make it back to that? and still treat each other like human beings, or is it going to spiral out of control? And a lot of that is on Kyle. He's half the equation. It's so frustrating because like we, we go through what we went through in those four games. Right. And then against the bears in the second half, they had three straight touchdown drives. Levin, you realize they had seven straight plays in that game where they gained either a first down or scored a touchdown. That means they were just destroying Chicago play after play after play. That's the kind of offense we expected to see. And it's like, there it is. Like, we see it. We know it's possible, right? It's not just a figment of our imaginations that we're all just, you know, looking through 49ers colored glasses. Like, no, this is a real thing. It happened on the field in an NFL game. Why don't we see something resembling that more consistently? Well, I think there, there's two big things for me that would answer that. And one, I think this is the first game all year that Kyle Shanahan showed up as the <laughs> play caller. This is the first game that he had his normal game, what we have come accustomed to with him, which is he seems to always be one or two moves ahead of the defense. You know, the defense lines up to stop what had just worked, and Kyle completely fools them and has something completely different from a look that looked very similar to, you know, the previous play, you know, basically doing what great play callers do using the same setup, but running completely different play from it, because that leaves the defense completely off guard, you know, running a running a setup where say juice goes in motion and you got the same formation, but instead of a run this time, it, it's a go route for juice and a pass play. You know what I mean? I think that's, this is the first game that we've seen him totally in a rhythm, as he put it. And the other part of that, and I mentioned this to you and put it out on Twitter when it happened. What did they do right off the bat? It was the second play of the game. They threw deep to Ayuk. Yeah, it didn't work. They didn't get the reception, but they threw deep. And they did it a couple more times in the first half. And I think that set the tone and opened things up for the offense. They came out and said, if you're going to stack the box on us and you're not going to play your safeties deep, we are going to take our shots deep. Whether it works out or not, we're going to keep going deep and you're going to have to play for that because eventually we're going to get one of these. And I think it backed up the defense some. And I think that opened up some of the running lanes. And once the running game got going, that opened up the passing game. It, it's the formula we that the Niners have always had. You got to make the defense be honest but then kill him with the run game and then go with the pass game after the run game gets going. And I think those deep passes were the first time all year long that the Niners came out of the gate and said, you better play us honest or we're going to kill you over the top. And to be honest, I mean, at right before the half, I was getting ready to kill Kyle Shanahan <laughs> because the Niners got the ball back and first down and second down, they didn't do much and they let the clock run. 
before third down. And it's just tick, 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 tick. And the time is ticking away. And I know, and Kyle has talked about it in the past, he's letting that clock run because he's not confident that they're going to get the third down. And it once again, it seems like he's more worried about what might happen if they don't get the third down than he is about trying to actually leave the team in a position to score points. So he lets it tick down. They throw the pass to Ayuk, who makes a great catch over the middle, big gain. And then I think it was the very next play, they get the 50-yard bomb to Debo. But because they had let so much time tick off the clock on that third down play, they only had seven seconds after they clocked Mm -hmm. it, after that Debo play. So I'm getting ready to kill Kyle Shanahan. Luckily, in the third quarter, they get that, that huge screen to Debo, which people don't really seem to want to remember. It was third and 19. They threw a pass behind the line of scrimmage. Like, if that doesn't convert, we're getting ready to murder Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo. But they get the big game, and then they start rolling after that. But it it was just surprising to me that, you know, the first half struggles, essentially, were kind of forgotten. But I was getting ready to kill Kyle before the end of that first half. Yeah, it, it's kind of Kyle's letting the clock run. It's one of his hypocrisies because – him not going for it on fourth down is saying, Hey, the defense will get the stop and I'll get him next, next, uh, drive. But then at the same time, we saw two weeks ago when they got the ball with a minute and they just said, we're going to halftime and they didn't even try to score. <laughs> right. And so it's like, okay, on one hand, you're saying, screw this. I, I, I don't want to give the defense the defense or the opponent's offense anytime whatsoever, because I'm not really trusting the defense to stop them. So I'm going to play it safe and run the clock. But then on the other hand, sometimes he won't go for a fourth and one or a fourth and short because he doesn't trust the offense to get it, but he trusts the defense to get a stop. You know what I mean? Like it it doesn't make sense. It's contradictory. And that's part of why he gets criticism for his fourth down decisions. Right. If you're going to kneel the ball down and say, well, I was too worried about their offense getting the ball back, then you should go for it on fourth down. Because if you punt it, you're giving their offense the ball back. Like, you're right. Both of those things can't exist at the same time. And it's funny you mentioned the fourth down thing. Kyle actually talked about that yesterday in, in the press conference. Somebody asked him about teams going for it more on fourth down. And Kyle rattled off eight things. It was like Rick Astley. In that never going to give you up. He rattled off eight things that he thinks about when it comes to fourth down. And I actually wrote them down because I'm going to talk about it in 49ers and five for Thursday. One, how you feel in the moment. Two, where you are on the field. Three, what's the call you have? Four, what's the front that they played? Five, do you think you can block their guys? Six, how good is the other quarterback? Seven, what's the moment in the game? And eight, the weather. Now, I'm sorry, some of those are valid, but some of those don't make any damn sense to me, Levin. There's at least four that, like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, the very first one worried me. When I read that, I was like, oh, God, this is going to be a really stupid quote. (laughs) And then he kind of redeemed himself, and then he got back to another one that I didn't like. But, yeah, there's some of those don't make sense. How good is the other quarterback? That makes no sense at all. Right. Because if the other quarterback is really good, you should go for it on fourth down to keep that quarterback off the field. And if the other quarterback stinks, you shouldn't be afraid to fail on fourth down because the other quarterback stinks and you're going to stop him anyway. So like some of these rules, like I don't understand. He's an old school coach. That's all it comes down to. He grew up in the NFL. He grew up with his dad, Mike, you know, in a different era in the league. And 
He, I think he tries to adjust and adapt to stuff, but it's it's hard, Levin. When you grow up a certain way, there are certain things that become ingrained in you. And it's really hard to recognize those things and say, hey, maybe I need to adapt and evolve my thinking on some of them. It doesn't just apply to football. It applies to life. Right. Like, we are all, in some ways, our parents. We are all the way we are, we do our jobs, the way we do, we react in certain ways because of our parents. When you go in the exact same profession to do the exact same job that your dad did, that's going to be amplified. You're going to be even more like that parent. And that that's the way it is for Kyle. I mean, what was the undoing of Mike Shanahan as a head coach? The ego. retirement of John Elway. <laughs> well, yes, but ego. He got full of himself and he could, he refused to adjust. It was my way or the highway after he won a couple of Super Bowls. And my way or the highway doesn't really work. It, it's worked for pretty much two coaches in the history of the NFL, in my opinion, unless you want to go way back when players didn't have a choice because they didn't make enough money to have a choice. But Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick are the only ones that I can think of that my way or the highway and Bill Belichick had Tom Brady. Like, would it have worked if he didn't have Tom Brady sitting there being the quarterback, the leader of the team, keeping his mouth shut? You know what I mean? I but agree. It also takes winning a Super Bowl. <laughs> right. You can only say my way or the highway and lose and still keep the locker room. You know, totally there's agree. Only, there's only so, so much amount of time you can do that. And I think Kyle's probably hit that point. Well, You, you can't be losing – your fourth time in five seasons and be saying, I know everything my way or the highway. So the thing about the point about Parcells is a good one too, because think about his career, the longer he got in his career and sort of the more players got rights and got power, the less successful Bill Parcells the was. The league has changed. He won Super Bowls with the Giants. He got to Super Bowls with the Patriots and with the Cowboys and the Jets. He never got to a Super Bowl. So, like, the more players became empowered, the less successful that method of coaching was. So that's a really good point by you. Right. We're in the player empowerment era. How long it lasts, who knows? But there's no argument that uh, players have never had more power than they have now. And it grows with each year, in my opinion. I think owners have become more and more of the background. And it's because the public has made it known. We don't like those old white men. <laughs> well, true. some of the public, it's true. some like them very much. Uh, yes, some do like them very much. But by and large, the the more an owner is at the forefront and in front of the cameras, the more backlash there is for that owner. You know what I mean? Like how, how popular is Jerry Jones? He's popular with Cowboy fans and most other fan bases hate his guts. You know what I mean? Like. It, it, we're in this era where the more the owner is in the background, the more popular your team probably is. Look at Jed York. You know, he was hated. When was he hated? When he was making his opinion known and causing rifts and problems and, you know, meddling. What's the opinion of the 49ers fan base now? Love probably it. the highest it's ever been. It's up despite, there, yeah. despite all the losing seasons, because he's pretty much said, hey, I don't know shit. I'm going to let the football people do it. <laughs> what, have you been saving up all your swears while you were gone? Yeah. Uh, I'm also extremely tired, and when I'm extremely tired, I don't have time for filters. 
<laughs> I can't be bothered <laughs> to censor myself. Uh, by the way. No, that's your job. We should have mentioned at the top of the show, shame on me. We have a little exciting news because next week you and I are going to bring on a current 49er, a current pro bowler. Kyle Juszczyk is going to join the show next week. I want to ask him some of this stuff. I want to ask him, can you go to Kyle Shanahan, have players gone to him and said, hey, I think we should try this or I think we should get rid of this. Is he open to that? I'd love to hear his answer on that. A better way to phrase that. Is he open to that on game day? Because in practice, I bet he yeah. is. But in game day, is he get the hell out of my face? <laughs> I'm making the next play call. You know, I, I think that's how he is. That would be my guess. We'll let Juice obviously answer it. But my guess is, is throughout the week, he, he's open to ideas. Once it gets to game day, it's I don't got time for this. There's a bunch of good questions we could ask him. And I'm I'm really excited and looking forward to that and happy that we will be able to have that for you next week. Also want to post it on the Niners Nation YouTube page. So, you know, make yourself look pretty, Levin. Aren't I always? No, no. You got to do much better than you're doing right. Thank God this is just a podcast. Uh, are you saying that it's a bad time for me to try to be regrowing my beard? It <laughs> takes me forever, by the way. Yeah. Why is it? Why are you doing it then? You need it for the winter months? Because <laughs> uh, I like my beard. It hides my double chin, for one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thanks for laughing and saying, no, you don't have a double chin. Well, I'm not support lie. <laughs> you brought it up. What am I supposed to say? No, you don't. You know what you look like. <laughs> yeah, I had to shave for Halloween. So uh, right now I'm in my transition period and I'm somebody that grows just enough facial hair to have a beard after two months. <laughs> we saw your Halloween costume, Princess Bride. Very cool. You were not pirates, as many people thought. We retweeted uh, it from the at NN podcast Twitter handle. So the world saw it and uh, it was it was very good. So you should be proud. Let's just say it. I play the part of a big fat guy very well, which is <laughs> what the giant is. in that movie. <laughs> OK, let's a uh, couple more thoughts on the Bears game. This is something that Kyle Posey and Akash brought up yesterday. Do you think Brandon Ayuk is officially out of the doghouse? Yeah, I would say he's out of the doghouse. Uh, I still don't think he's at the spot that we thought he would be. And part of that is because Debo has been so effective. I, I think Debo has made one big difference this year compared to his first two years. He's winning almost every 50-50 ball. And that has enabled him to be a deep threat because he was not a deep threat at all in his first two years. And I still don't think he gets open very well deep. You know, look at all, all of his deep receptions. He's not wide open. He's just winning the jump balls. But that is huge. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins every year has really low separation numbers. And everybody's like, oh, he gets no separation. But he wins every freaking jump ball because he has the hands the size of Hulk, you know. <laughs> so Debo, despite not having that size of DeAndre Hopkins, has been really good at winning the jump balls. And that is one of the big keys to being a deep threat. And that has enabled him to have a dominant season so far and has also made it to where Ayuk is not the featured player. But I feel like that was part of the reason the offense was so successful this week is because it wasn't just Debo. It was because Ayuk actually represented a credible threat. There was something else there that the defense had to worry about in the passing game because like you can't count on Debo to produce at this level. This is like a T.O. season. 
11 from him that we're <laughs> basically getting. It kind of is. Maybe not with as many touchdowns, but at least with the with the yardage. Yeah, I mean, he's not T.O. in my opinion. I don't think he's even particularly close to T.O. talent-wise, um, which is not a knock. I mean, there's very, very few receivers who have ever reached the T.O. level. But I do agree that this offense is relying too too much on Debo, that they need to get other people there. They need to get other threats to make the defense, once again, play honest. And that very well may happen this next week because they get somebody back, most likely. Kittle. Yeah, I'm not. Honestly, like, I'm not expecting anything. Uh, maybe they'll run the I, ball I think a he's better. just a... Right. I, I'm not expecting... Kittle to come in and look like three years ago, Kittle, when he set the tight end receiving yards mark, but he's a legitimate threat that the defense accounts for. Like, True. Even when he wasn't putting up stats earlier in this year, I mean, he, he wasn't being, he wasn't terrible. He just wasn't dominant, but that's because the defense was literally keen on him. And that's the effect he will have. Now, how much he's going to be able to go out and, and run routes, we'll see. And honestly, at this point, how effective Debo will be this week because Kyle flat out admitted that he uh, had a setback with his calf and that yeah. he is legitimately hurt right now. And that's why he didn't practice. So we'll, we'll see what we have and what, what uh, versions of Kittle and Debo we have this week. It could be the Ayuk week could be that he's the only guy fully healthy and he gets featured. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we can get into what we expect to see this week against the Cardinals, because I think that these next two games are going to define the rest of the 49ers season. So we'll talk about that when we come back. This is the Gold Standard Podcast. You mentioned it, Levin, before we went to break. Debo Samuel, no practice on Wednesday, re-aggravated that calf injury. That's a scary sign for the Niners because he has clearly been their number one weapon. But like you also said, Kittle's coming back. So is this the... Kittle Ayuk weekend in a massive, massive game for the 49ers. Uh, as long as it's a big game for somebody, one of those three, <laughs> uh, that's all I really care about. I don't care who gets the stats. I just need somebody to do something. And hopefully in the first half, like, can we get a, a fast start? Right. Like, I'm not talking about the first drive because there's been a couple games where they've had a good first drive and then absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. I mean, can we have a game where we're not sitting and stressing the entire game? I mean, we haven't had one of those in almost two full seasons. I mean, it's been a long time since the Niners just came out and you're just sitting there with a smile on your face the whole game because they <laughs> kicked kicked butt, you know? Well, I the, the stat I kept going to before this week was that the Niners had not beaten anybody by more than one score since the Patriot game last year. Now, they broke that streak against the Bears because they won 33 to 22. But you're right. Even this Chicago game, the whole first half, you're sitting there, uh, you know, at the edge of your seat on you're living and dying on every possession here. We haven't had a game where it's just like, hey, we get out to a lead early and then, you know, maybe they exchange scores the rest of the game, but you're pretty comfortable the whole way. Like, we could really, really use one of those because you're right. Like, I, I don't know how much more of this I can take. Right. And, and that game's definitely not coming two weeks from now. No. <laughs> <laughs> or this week, to be honest. I mean, we don't know what the hell is going to go on with this no. week. We don't know, we don't know who's going to play. Right. Kyler's not practicing on Wednesday. DeAndre Hopkins is not practicing on Wednesday. But Kyler met with the media, which usually means that guys are going to play. And 
Clint Kingsbury saying he doesn't need to practice to play. So I don't know what the hell to expect this week, but it's even it's if weird because Vegas knows their stuff. Yes. And Vegas doesn't adjust lines dramatically unless they get solid intel. And there are plenty of times in history, you know, almost every week that there's any kind of big name that is up in the air in terms of if they're going to play. Vegas knows ahead of time. Well, Vegas adjusted the line yesterday heavily as if Murray is not playing. And then they did it again today. They've moved that line, I think, four, four and a half points total since the start in just two days. That's normally a clear indication that Arizona is going to be missing big names and DeAndre Hopkins is not a big enough uh, person at this point to move the needle that much. You know, A.J. Green, despite that last play of their last game, has been really good this season. You know, they have Rondell Moore. They have other weapons. You know, they pretty much played without Hopkins in the last game, and they, they don't need Hopkins. He's not going to move the line like that. It, it's really Murray. So either Vegas is wrong or Murray's not playing. Yeah, I think this game initially was like a four-and-a-half point uh the Cardinals were favored by like four and a half, and then it went all the way down to a pick them at one point. And now as we record this, Cardinals are favored by one and a half points. You did mention A.J. Green. He's actually on the COVID-19 list. He got placed on that list on Wednesday. He could still play in the game, though, because he is vaccinated. We think, as we've seen, that's come into question this week with certain players. But supposedly he's vaccinated, which means he needs two negative tests 24 hours apart, and he can come back. So there still is time for him to be cleared. But yeah, I mean, there's so many questions for the Cardinals in this game as to who's going to play. But I think regardless, even if Murray's there, first of all, if Murray plays, he's going to be limited. He's not going to be 100% Kyler Murray, which is only good for the 49ers. But they did a good job against him when they played a few weeks ago. I think the Niners could win the game even if those guys are playing. Yeah, I don't disagree. I, the, the Niners are this weird team because talent-wise, they're as good as any team. Still, in my opinion, they have the talent. They just have not been executing. Kyle has not been on top of his game as a play caller. There's been some very questionable, uh, is everybody getting along type things, you know, with the whole Ayuk situation. It's just one of those teams that despite the talent, they've been finding ways to lose. But at the same time, they've been losing by one possession. So they could have easily had a much better record. And at any time, they could write the ship. Maybe the win last week is the writing of the ship. Right. And you have that team that we all sat here and predicted for 11, 12 wins. That that was what makes it so hard because the Niners could literally come out. And even if Murray plays, they could dominate or they could come out and make the same mistakes that they've been making all season and get their butts whooped. You know, who knows? And no J.J. Watt, obviously, because he's hurt. He was a huge factor in the right. Cardinals win earlier this season. It's going to be it's going to be fascinating. You're right, because it can literally go any possible way. The only thing with the Cardinals, if Murray's playing and even if Murray's not there, to be honest with you, Colt McCoy's a veteran. He's been in the league long enough to know. I think the Cardinals coaching staff is smart enough to say, look, if you get in trouble, just chuck it deep. Just throw it deep. These 49ers corners cannot cover. And we'll take our chances. The Bears did not do that last week. They only challenged the Niners deep on one pass. Well, two passes, really. One, uh, Fields just threw it like a rocket, which is the wrong thing to do against these D-backs. Just throw it 
high, throw a deep bomb, and that's when they get into trouble. And then the second time he tried it, it was intercepted by Josh Norman, who, by the way, Josh Norman stinks. He gets burned for multiple catches and at least one touchdown like every game. I know he forces fumbles and stuff, but he's no he's no good. <laughs> you know, his quote after the game, I, I literally laughed out loud because he said, well, I knew we can't keep getting beat deep, and a lot of that has been because we're trailing, so I knew I had to stay on top. He was trailing on that interception because his teammate <laughs> popped it up in the air that he was able to, to get behind it and pick it. He was trailing. Like, what are you talking about? You weren't over the top. You're too slow to be over the top any receiver in this league. <laughs> right. Yeah, your days of being over the top are over, Josh. God, oh, you know, well, Lenore was inactive because uh, he was welcoming a child into the world. Totally legitimate excuse for him. Hopefully he can be active this week. I'd like to see him get some run, especially if guys like Hopkins are going to be playing for the Cardinals. My bigger question for the Niners is Elijah Mitchell. He's got a rib injury. Those do not tend to heal in a week, regardless of what kind of rib injury you have. Obviously, for a running back, that's incredible for anybody, but especially a running back, it's incredibly difficult to play through. But I still think the Niners can be just fine with Trey Sermon as the every down back. It's just kind of crazy that this is the only way that Sermon will seem to get any real activity. Well, I mean, there is the Jeff Wilson possibility. I personally would be kind of surprised if Jeff Wilson is a go. I don't think he's somebody that can come back and with having missed all of training camp and everything, come back and within one week be sitting here ready for you know a load and getting the ball. I think he's somebody that's probably going to take at least this week, and I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play the next two games because he's got to get up to game speed. He's been out so long, and his injury is so much more serious. It's not a George Kittle situation. Um, but there is the possibility. You never know. Um, and, yeah, I – I, you know, I know you've been a big fan of Hasty, but I got to say, he's looked terrible this year. Like, he well, looked... he's not good in short yardage, which they keep using him <laughs> in short yardage for some reason. This is true, but like, he is dancing so much. That's what he does. Year. Yeah. I know. And that, that was my complaint, but I feel like he's even worse. Like, normally he danced and was still effective, but now he's just like, oh, crap, the hole isn't perfectly wide open. I'm going to just bounce around and get zero yards. No, you could have gotten three or four yards if you just plowed ahead. Like, I, I'm completely out on, on hasty right now. So I would hope Sermon can go, but we haven't really seen Sermon run the outside zone. So it, it's one of these things that could be a big problem because the outside zone is what worked last week. And the frustrating thing, too, is like they really seem to get into a rhythm with it. Like, and Mitchell was getting through. Uh, Brian Baldinger had a couple breakdowns, or maybe it was somebody else. I, I think it was Baldy, but like pretty some sure. of the holes he was getting through were pretty damn small. He was getting pretty skinny through some of those mm -hmm. gaps, but it just seemed like, like they were all on the same page for once, you know, which we haven't seen. Yeah, it's really the first game that we've seen the outside zone work time and time again, like we have in the previous years. You know, we, there's the really long run where you saw everybody hit the perfect block. You know, you saw the uh, offensive line get way out ahead. A couple of them were way down the field blocking. You saw Juice get around the corner, hit the perfect guy to allow Mitchell to get by. And then you saw Ayuk coming from the far side, sprinting to get to that uh, DB that was playing back that would have had a chance to make it even, a, you know, a little bit of a shorter run. And got another 10 yards out of it. It's the first time that we've seen the blocking actually working in unison consistently. 
You know, it still wasn't perfect, but it never is perfect. But this is what we're used to. And so far this season, what we've seen is one guy just completely blows his assignment and the run play gets stuffed. And if this is the way the run game is getting back to, then the Niners are back. There's, It's not a coincidence that the run game worked and suddenly Jimmy looked really good again. Right. But like it shouldn't take half a season for this to be the case. Debo's a returning starter. Ayuk's a returning starter. Kittle or Dwelly or or Warner, whoever you want to say. The whole offensive line is the starting offensive line. Like they should have had this continuity weeks ago. The fact that it's yeah. taken this long is crazy to me, but whatever, if it's back now, good, because we need it. We're going to need it more than ever. Right, and that, that's – the Niners basically – they have to get at least one of these next two, and they really kind of need both. They technically, I think, would still be kind of alive if they only got – if they only go one and one. But at four and five, like, you're going to need a four or five game win streak in there. Yep. You know what I mean? And, and if they can't win both these games, I don't know if this team is capable of doing that because we haven't seen any consistency from them. That's the whole problem. Yeah, it's I mean, it's Arizona, the Rams, the Jags, the Vikings, the Seahawks, the Bengals, the Falcons, Titans, Houston and the Rams again. So, like, if you can if you can win, I think if you split these next two, you can be OK. But like you said, right. then you got to go on a run. You got to beat Jacksonville. You got to beat Minnesota. You got to beat Seattle in Seattle and like Cincinnati, Atlanta. Like it's possible there, but you at worst have to split these next two. Right. And ironically, you know, everybody celebrated the 17th game when they found out it was Cincy. And suddenly that doesn't look like the easiest of games. Well, they just lost to the Jets. So maybe it is again. I don't quite yeah, who know. Knows. I mean, there's still Cincy in there. They're just right. not, <laughs> they're a little bit. Uh, breaking out, but there's going to be inconsistencies with Cincy. So I think they are a Jekyll and Hyde type team because I think they have a lot of really good talent, but they're very young. So they're going to be inconsistent. It's basically if Jamar Chase can take the top off the defense once in a game, they're probably going to win if they can't. Don't give me nightmares about Jamar Chase against our secondary. Can we get through it in Arizona, please? Like, let's just, let's just get through that first. That's going to do it for this edition of the Gold Standard Podcast. Again, we remind you, rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We love the reviews. Keep them coming. If you leave us one, I promise you, we will read it. Levin, enjoy your week. Enjoy your Thursday, everybody. And we will talk to you next week.